Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 27th of November, 2022. On today's show, a look back at the weekend that was the Big 12. TCU finishes off their unbeaten season. Also, Kansas State uh, ices their spot in the Big 12 championship game. Texas finishes strong. Texas Tech finishes in the top half. And West Virginia capitalizes off of some injuries. What does it all mean for the Big 12 and for college football as a whole? That and more coming up. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Please, please, please subscribe to the channel. We just hit 2,700 over the course of the weekend, the Thanksgiving break. So please help us out. Keep that going. Appreciate you guys. Comment on the videos. Give us your thoughts. Like the videos as well. Um, This was a Saturday in the Big 12, you know, defined by what did not happen, right? You look across the landscape of college football. Obviously, we knew that the reverberations of the Big of the uh, Big Ten clash between Michigan and Ohio State would be felt. And Michigan wins it once again by hitting a series of explosive passing plays and explosive running plays to get themselves into the Big Ten championship and looks like into the college football playoff. You had Oregon, who uh, seemed like maybe the best matchup for a USC. Well, they blew a 21-point lead, and now they will not be playing USC. And, and also, think about you know, everything else that happened. I mean, 11-2 and two, Oregon was probably still in this fight, uh, potentially, potentially to be in the college ball playoff. We will see uh, you know, wh- how the rankings shake out. But that felt like the way it was going. Clemson, they, uh, you know, they lose South Carolina and Spencer Rattler, and that looked horrible and really bad. Uh, DJ Ungle really struggling in that game. LSU loses to Texas A&M on the road. That was a game that I like to say, I called that. I saw that one coming. Um, you know, A&M just kind of felt like they're going to, they're going to have one. And then that was their game of the year. And they pull that one out and you look across the big 12 that didn't happen. Everything kind of set up the way it was supposed to. And um, I have to say, you look ahead to next week's conference championship games SEC has LSU versus Georgia lost a lot of its luster because LSU, while it felt unlikely of them pulling off the upset, um, you know, but that was a, that was a game where LSU could have gotten themselves into a college football playoff. It felt like it definitely could have gotten in there uh, if they had won that game. Also, you look at the big 10 championship game. Well, wasn't always going to be that pretty anyway, but it's Michigan and Purdue, like fun. I guess that was already a game that already, you know, that happened earlier this year. But Michigan and Purdue are going to run this thing back. Um, that's not really a truly exciting championship game. The ACC, I mean, Carolina and Clemson, you know, their last four combined games, three of them were losses, right? Clemson yesterday and Carolina lost their last two. So the luster off of the ACC championship game has really been had been taken away. The two championship games now that feel the most exciting, that feel the most intriguing, are the, and I've got to give them credit, the Pac-12 championship game right next week between USC and Utah. And Utah is a three-loss team, but because there are seven and two in the league, they will be getting to go uh, to that game, right? So that's very exciting. Uh, Utah, um, you know, and they beat already beat USC. And then USC yesterday, 
Now they needed to win the game uh, for the Pac-12 championship race, but they had to win that game. Caleb Williams has the crazy run. That wasn't a touchdown run, but pretty much ice is the Heisman in my opinion yesterday with his performance. Now, obviously one more week to go. We got to wait to see how conference championship week plays out, but CJ Stroud is not playing. We'll see how much Blake Corum can go next week. They tried him for two carries. He was not, you know, not there. Max Duggan gets to play, but it feels like he's got a lot, a lot of ground to make up on the way up to get to the the uh, the Corum, Shroud, and uh, Williams conversation. Uh, it feels like he's kind of behind them. So, you know, he uh, Caleb Williams ices it basically yesterday, it feels like, and USC is a chance to make a playoff, and that Utah game is really interesting. But, guys, we, we've talked about what Paul Feinbaum said last week about, oh, uh, Kansas State, excuse me, TCU is not going to play somebody very interested, not going to play somebody good in the Big 12 championship game, and we probably won't be watching. Well, your network decided college game day is going to that game. And for my money, guys, Kansas State and TCU is the best conference championship game that we're going to see. K-State is going to most likely slide up into the top 10 because of the losses for Clemson and Oregon, at least I think they should um, because of the way they look. And once again, like Will Howard being the quarterback now, it's a totally different team, Uh, but they should slide up into the top 10 now. And TCU obviously entrenched the top four. They'll slide up to number three. So you're going to get a top 10 matchup. And uh, I'm not sure how far LSU will drop. They'll probably remain in the top 10. Um, Utah could crawl up there. I'm not positive about that, but Look, like in terms of rank versus rank, in terms of spread as well, I totally, I fully expect Kansas State, TCU, maybe Utah, USC's tight and close. I think USC will get the edge with the, the kind of the betting, the betting folks. Uh, that could be, that's, I expect a really fun, exciting game, especially considering how the first one went down. Um, but Kansas State, TCU feels like two teams that are, that are throwing their best punches right now, uh, especially after what happened yesterday. And you just look at that game and you think about like what was said last week. And I just think about this all the time because I always think about this from a full league perspective. TCU and Kansas State, two teams that are not traditional blue bloods, um, that are, you know, going to be in the new Big 12, that are going to be playing for the Big 12 championship. This is back-to-back seasons now where a non-Oklahoma, non-Texas teams are in the Big 12 championship game. That means our Big 12 champion is going to be a non, uh, you know, it's going to be a new Big 12 team when the new Big 12 comes around. And that's huge for the league. And the fact that it's got so many implications on the line, man, if TCU or if Kansas State had squeaked out one more win on that ledger, on that schedule, guys, they would be, uh, they'd probably be playing for a college ball playoff spot. It's funny enough. I actually saw this earlier today when I was scrolling Twitter before we, uh, before I started the show today, from 538, Max Olson kind of crunching the numbers. He basically did it with 538, the, uh, they do the statistics over there. Um, and, you know, kind of doing some looking ahead. If Michigan wins their conference and makes the playoff, they're in. If Georgia wins the conference and makes the playoff, they're in. Um, if TCU does not win and Kansas State wins, so let's just say Kansas State wins and USC loses, uh, the the playoff predictor on 538 gives Kansas State a 52% chance to make the college football playoff. So that's really interesting. Um, they would need, obviously, the USC loss to happen and take care of business in their game. But I think it's a pretty fascinating um, 
a fascinating idea for a three loss 10 and three Kansas state team. Do I think they'd make it? No, I don't, but you know, uh, it'd be interesting to see which, which teams would get in at that point. I, I'd assume that a 12 and one TC would get in, but we can't presume anything with these people, but it's a very interesting conversation uh, to have. Maybe we have a, that one later on in the week. I'd like to explore that uh, and kind of get into that further to see if that's a possibility. I doubt it, but this year has been so weird and so strange. So before we get into the games, guys, let's take a look at where the rankings or the standings rather have shaken out at this point. This is your final standings. And we're going to dive deep into this as the week rolls on. And obviously as the coming months roll on, once we hit the off season two, TCU at number one, nine and oh, 12 and oh, we'll get to them in a second. Kansas state seven and two, nine and three overall. They're in second place. The Longhorns of Texas, six and three, eight and four overall. They are in third place. Then at five and four, Texas Tech, a top half finish for Joey McGuire, seven and five overall. Oklahoma State was in fifth, seven and five overall for them, four and five in the league. Baylor was the same, four and five, six and six overall. Oklahoma State gets the advantage because they won the head to head. OU at three and six is next, six and six overall. Kansas uh, finishes in eighth. They are um, they are six and six overall, three and six in the league. West Virginia goes three and six as well, five and seven overall. And Iowa State, they're one and eight. They were uh, four and eight overall. So a lot to get into, a lot to unpack there. And we'll go through some of that as we get into these games. But first up, as we usually do, it's the TCU Horn Frogs, twelve and zero. Their season finishes. They were just like nine and a half point, ten point favorites that we saw coming into this game. And guys, I think the bad taste in their mouths from last year's Iowa State TCU game was very apparent. Iowa State took out some frustrations of a rough year on TCU one year ago in this game. TCU repaid the favor, 62-0. They got off to a 24-0 lead. They scored 20-plus points in the first and the third quarters. Max Duggan was really solid, 17 for 24, 212, three TDs um, on the day through the air. Did not need him to run very much either. Defense got a couple scores, pillar to post. They were the better team. And I have to say this, guys, like, uh, you know, Stephen Simcox, the host of Locked on Horn Frogs, mentioned this. They've played a lot of nail biters. And for them to go out there and and kind of beat the drum like this um, probably felt really good. But you look at Iowa State's, you know, what Iowa State has done in league. Seven-point loss, three-point loss, one-point loss, three-point loss, 14-point loss against OU. Though that thing was pretty close late. Uh, 17-point win, six-point loss, four-point loss, and then they get drubbed here, a 48-point loss. Iowa State has not gotten beat like that this year, guys. That is not the book on the clones. Also, they were you know, undefeated in, in non-conference play. Um, and, and TCU took them behind the woodshed. Now you might say, hey, what is what is Iowa State playing for? Well, the chance to play spoiler, right? I mean, that, that that's there for you. Now, I know that 14-10 loss was probably pretty demoralizing, as was a 20-14 loss to, uh, to Oklahoma State. So many opportunities for them to turn one-score games this year. And look, I think this Iowa State team is really not very good. Uh, that's been my honest assessment, uh, you know, as the season's kind of rolled along. And, um, you know, the fact they were pretty close in some of these games, I thought was a testament to how good John Haycock's 3-3-5 defense has been this season. Uh, but, but, you know, that team has not gotten beaten like that this year. 
And TCU and Sonny Dykes, they came out and they made a statement, right? And a day where a lot of teams were wobbly and shaky against uh, whoever it was they were playing, TCU went up against a great defense and they smoked them. They smoked them from the start. Want to mention this too. Won't spend too long on TCU because it's a pretty easy win. We'll talk more about them this week. TCU has accomplished something I think is very important. In year one, under Sonny Dykes, they made a change, you know, they made the change to, from GP to Sonny Dykes. TCU can say that they have beaten every single team on their schedule, regardless of what happens next week. Even if Kansas State beats them by 70, and I don't think that will happen. But if that were the case, TCU can say they have beaten everybody on their schedule. That is a great accomplishment for a group of players that is largely the same from a group of players. You know, it's the same group of players that went five and seven last year. They beat everyone on their schedule. It's been a magical run for them considering how it kind of came together. But it's been a run where you watch it and you understand why, because this team does not panic. They've got grown men on the team. They've got an excellent coaching staff between Dykes and Riley and Gillespie. I mean, when you're Sonny Dykes and you've got that offensive influence, right? And you're from the Hal Mummy traditional air raid tree. And it's funny, Hal Mummy on Big 12 radio told a story the other day of, look, he was doing Spike Dykes a favor by, you know, giving Sonny a, a position on one of his coaching staffs. And Sonny knows offense, right? But he has come to a spot now where he has given Garrett Riley the reins. He brought in Joe Gillespie. He has pulled all the right levers in game, in coaching decision, in personnel decisions. And you might say a oh, Chandler Moore is probably not the right call, but I mean, like it, it worked out in the end, right? It, it worked out kind of the way it was supposed to, I guess you could say from that perspective. So um, for them to put, for him to pull all those levers, for things to work out the way they did for them to reach 12 and 0, Regardless what happens next week, beating everybody on your schedule is incredibly difficult, right? Um, Georgia can say they've done that. Michigan can say they've done that, right? This year, uh, obviously, LSU is a new new team, so I guess Georgia technically can't say they've done that. Um, Michigan can say they've done that, and not everybody else. Those two te- those two schools, those two teams can say that they have done that. USC, a chance to right that wrong next week, but right now only two schools can say they have beaten everybody on their schedule, Michigan and TCU hell of an accomplishment for Sonny Dykes and group. And also they look the way you want them to look heading into a big 12 championship game. That is not too far down the road from Fort Worth joining them. The Kansas state wildcats loved this game from them yesterday. Kansas made plenty of mistakes and, and credit Kansas state here because they made sure that Kansas paid for them 47 27 final um, in a game where it it was within touching distance, right? Uh, we had the um, you had the touchdown from Jalen Daniels late. And then the two point conversion where Jason Bean has to come in because Daniels is hurt. There's a pretty good ball and then it gets dropped. And so they can't, you know, cut into that lead even further. K state responds and, um, you know, they went off to a great start because they they recovered a muff punt. They had 443 total yards of offense. They threw the ball for 10.1 a play. They rushed it for 5.5 a play. They won the turnover battle right in this game as well in the rain. And they beat a rival when all the pressure was on them. Will Howard, I didn't think was, uh, you know, amazing in this game. Didn't have to be 11 for 21, 213, two scores. But Deuce Vaughn, you know, spectacular for him. Over, ends up with, I'm doing the quick math in my head, 229 total yards of offense for Deuce 
along with a touchdown and 229 total yards of offense on 27 carries, right? He was very, very productive. You know, you look at that, uh, I mean, that's over 10 yards per touch for him, uh, or a little bit under 10 yards per touch, but like pretty close to that, uh, if I think my math is correct. Yeah, I mean, he was really effective in this game. Uh, Giddens had a nice day, 944 and a touchdown. Malik Knowles takes two technical runs to the house, four touchdowns. He had a really nice game. Um, and they look like a different group under Will Howard, the way he can spread the football. And also this is a team group. Like Chris Kleiman has talked about how this is a player player led thing. And I think a good example of this was, you know, him talking about how Colin Klein calls the game from the booth. But, and, and so what that means is on the field, Will Howard and Adrian Martinez kind of have to act like each other's quarterback coach. They have to be the ones that are, hey, did you see this? You, you know, I'm, I'm seeing this in the iPad or whatever it is. And I think that's really fascinating. I think Adrian Martinez is obviously there, you know, helping that out. Uh, I know he's injured right now and this team looks better under, you know, under um, Will Howard. But the best thing you can do is keep going. And, and this is a mature team that's got a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, guys who know what they're doing. Also, a lot of guys coming back too, but a lot of mature, good players and a lot of players who are going to have some decisions to make this offseason about what their future will hold, but I think it's pretty exciting to have a guy like Will Howard and this, it makes this offense more explosive. It makes this offense more exciting. Uh, I thought their drives were, you know, fantastic. It felt like they were converting whenever they needed to seven for 13 on third down, you know, not as amazingly efficient, or, you know, super, super, you know, amazing, but seven for the 13 is very, very good, right? Over 50% is really good. Um, and so Kansas state right now is playing exactly how you'd want them to play. Once again, my concerns for TCU are, you know, you got to stop that run. You got you to bow up and stop the run next week. My concern for Kansas State is, like we saw it last week in their game, um, some stopping explosive plays can be an issue for them in the passing game. It was against West Virginia at times. But this is set up. We have the two right teams, the Big 12 championship game. Despite what Kansas State has gone through this year with some setbacks, They've always rebounded really well. And I think Chris Kleiman's done a great job. So, you know, a, a chance to win 10 games. And I think some Kansas State fans feel like they left some meat on the bone this year. Totally understand that. But also, you got to be really impressed and proud of the way Kansas State has overcome some of that adversity and where they you know, ended up finishing this season um, on the way now to a Big 12 championship game. A chance to win 10 games. Also, a good chance of going to a New Year's Six Bowl as well. Today's show is brought to you all by Upside. There's never a bad time to save some money, whether it's driving less, dining out less, buying less in the grocery store. We can all agree that there's nothing fun about less. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I don't have to cut back because I get cash back on every single purchase. To get started, download the free Upside app, use the promo code LOCKED, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever it is that you are buying, and you guys can get paid with your uh, credit or debit card, if you use that as usual, to pay. So once again, download the free Upside app today from the Google Play or App Store. All right, once again, Google Play or App Store. Download Upside app. Use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, we're up to five, maybe even $10 off or more by using the Upside app. Today's show is also brought to you all by LinkedIn. These days, every potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for you 
and your small business. So what can you do to offset that? Well, you guys can use LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to hire faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college today to post your job for free terms and conditions to apply. All right. Texas finishes strong. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing we mentioned how much progress they have made or haven't made and they were down late. They got the two scores. They finished at eight and four. They finished third in the league. They finished at six and three in the league. Um, you know, they won more games in conference. They won all season last year. And I know it's only three more games, you know, three less games, whatever you want to talk about the difference. They are making progress. The one thing I have to say is guys like we, you know, there's a good chance that we have seen the last game that Bijan Robinson will play in a college football, uh, in a college football setting. He might want to play in the bowl game, might not. I don't know Bijan personally. I'm not going to speak for him. 29 carries, 179, two scores. He was the driving force for them. Um, he's going to finish. He finishes the season, you know, at least the regular season, with 1,580 yards, 18 touchdowns, 19 receptions, 314 yards, uh, and two uh, two receiving touchdowns as well, 20 total touchdowns. And, you know, a player that, I felt like um, I felt like I never took for granted watching him. I really do. I, I was I was always excited to watch Texas games because of him. It will, and, and I love Roshan Johnson too. It will not be the same, you know. What? It, obviously, it's Texas, and people want to watch them. But for people who know and watch this league, watching Bijan Robinson every single week is a treat. And for this team to have the questions at quarterback. And they've been big questions. They have definitely been big questions. Even as the seasons persisted, it's got even bigger, right? And quarterback for the future for them is going to be a hot topic of debate as we go into the offseason, right? And I think Quinn Ewers is, is going to benefit from these bowl practices a whole lot. But there's a kid named Arch Manning coming in. There's a kid named Malik Murphy who's obviously in the background there. And Hudson Card, we'll see what his future holds. So there is a big conversation about who is going to be taking the snaps. But for the offensive line and for Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson to offset that and to play as well as they did and to finish thing, this thing off the way that they did is very, very impressive. It speaks to how good of a play, good players they are, how consistent they are, that they – and those two guys in particular the ones who scored the last couple touchdowns. They finished this thing off for Texas. Eight and four is an improvement on five and seven. They have a chance to win nine games in the bowl game, nine the step to ten. 10 is a step to 11, 11 step to 12, and so on and so forth, right? They have flipped this thing. They have made progress. They have made it three games progress in the opposite direction. They reached a bowl, which they didn't do last year, above 500 record in conference. They were uh, you know, finished in third place, top half of the league. All of those are improvements. They are not maybe the improvements everybody wanted to see, but they are improvements. On the other side, Blake Shapin, guys, is it time to have a conversation about, hey, I, I mean, I think Drake Toll, host locked on Baylor, kind of put it well. Like this this thing's got to be an open competition probably as we head into the offseason, right? Shaping just not good enough. Um, and the offense to hold not good enough, and maybe they're growing together, and it's his first year as a starter, and I'm a huge ad advocate for that. But uh, the, the Gary Bohannon part of, of this is like he gave them that rushing element. 
they don't have that now. And, and do they need that now? I think is something that we have to kind of ask ourselves, especially the way they run the offense, like having a running quarterback can help sometimes with some of the wide zone stuff that they do. So that's something we got to talk about there moving forward for Baylor. One more word from our sponsors on today's show. We are brought to you all by our friends at Nissan. And Nissan has teamed up with us to bring you all the thrilling moment from the week of the Big 12 games. Not a game that impacted the uh, you know Big 12 title race, but Trey Wolf hits a game-winning field goal to beat Oklahoma in overtime, 51-48 for Texas Tech. Gets them to 7-5, and 5-4 five, five and four in the league, and also top half in the conference. So there you go. There's your thrilling moment of the week brought to you all by Nissan. And Nissan has a new line of vehicles that will thrill you from the Frontier to Armada to Pathfinder. Go check them out at your local Nissan dealership today. They're also available at NissanUSA.com. Texas Tech finishing in the top half. Man, I was wrong about Tech. I, well, you know, I was I was a couple games off. Um, they beat Oklahoma in what can only be described as an old-school back-and-forth showdown, you know, the Big 12 shootout. 51-48 to 48 the final. And I want to say this, and I talked about this in a different context earlier this week. Like, Auburn is down this year, and I went to go see my alma, alma mater, Mizzou, play Auburn. And even though Auburn's down, Missouri, if they had beaten Auburn on the road at Auburn, is still important because of what it signifies, right? Can you as a team go and beat the big power, you know, a, a power in your league when they're down on the road? It would have been big. Joey McGuire, same kind of concept here. First year head coach, Joey McGuire. I know it's down Oklahoma. But can you get to seven wins? Can you finish top half in the league with a win over the outgoing Oklahoma Sooners? Can you do that? Can you beat OU in Texas for the first time in the same season? I believe the graphic said in program history. They did that. I don't care about what their records are. I don't care that OU is now six and six. I don't care that Texas is now eight and four. I don't care about that. I care about the significance. And like, you know, like, you know, Obviously, context matters. Yes, not saying I don't care about any of it at all. But the fact that they pulled off both of those wins, that's big for recruiting. That's big for a program trajectory. It's big for where you finish in the league. It's big for setting a standard. I mean, seven and five is where Texas Tech wants to be at the minimum every year. Seven, five, six, and six. They want to be going to bowl games every single season. They, like Baylor, like Kansas State, like TCU, like Iowa State, like Oklahoma State, they want to be a team that goes, you know, seven and five, eight and four, six and six, seven and five. And then, hey, we got an old group of experienced guys who have been around for a while, and then we can make that climb. Think about how much we've discussed the ups and, and not ups and downs in a bad way, but the parody of this league. We discussed it why Fox signed on again with the Big 12, right? The fact that it's so exciting, the amount of parity that we get in this league. And think about the last three seasons, guys. The teams that have played in the Big 12 championship. COVID year, Oklahoma, Iowa State. 2021, Baylor, Oklahoma State. 2022, Kansas State, TCU. Six different teams have played in the Big 12 championship the last three years. And and five of those teams are new Big 12 teams. T Texas Tech wants to be like everybody else. There's, they're in Texas. There's no reason they can't be like everybody else is kind of the motto for Joey McGuire. 
And uh, this game was bonkers. It was a lot of fun. It came down to, like a lot of these games do, special teams and Texas Tech. They make their kick. Oklahoma does not. Um, Dylan Gabriel, fantastic. Eric Gray, fantastic. Tyler Shuck, awesome, fun to watch. A game that featured, uh, doing the math now, 1,271 yards of total offense in this game. Rock'em, sock'em, robots. But the team that wins the turnover battle, Texas Tech, is the one that gets the job done. They force two Oklahoma, um, uh, or excuse me, uh, yeah, yeah, um, uh, in this game. Let's double check on that really fast. Uh, Tyler Shuck throws the interception. Uh, oh, yeah, no, hold on, excuse me. They did not win the turnover battle. Um, but the special teams kind of balance that out. Sorry, I missed that part there in the end. Um, the spe- special teams kind of balance that out in this game. Back and forth, goes to overtime. Oh, you missed the kick. Texas Tech sets themselves up. They don't miss the kick. Good night, Irene. Texas Tech finishes top half. Great progress. West Virginia capitalizes. And this is interesting, guys. They beat uh they end up beating Oklahoma State 24 to 19. And this was one of those games where um, you know, the energy from Oklahoma State just felt like it was lacking. No Spencer Sanders. And they were able to capitalize off that. Garrett Green did not have a great game throwing the football. Uh, but on the ground, just uh, Jalen Anderson, excuse me, the freshman has a fantastic game. He goes for 15 carries, 155, two scores. Garrett Green adds one on the ground as well. And um, the weird thing about this game was after the game, Mike Gundy made some comments, and I'll read, read these two guys now. Uh, I sent these out to some guys that work with over Big 12 Radio. Mike Gundy on if he has had conversations in the coming days uh, if he will have conversations in the coming days with players on their decision to return or not. Quote, no, I don't have those conversations. A little bit different times today. These players have conversations with their family, their representatives, and at some point, they'll let us know. Three weeks from now, probably, I don't get involved in those conversations. And then he commented on why he does not get involved. I mean, what am I going to say? It's their future. It's their career. They'll have a representative. They'll have family members that'll have thoughts on what they want to do. The head coach is really not a factor in that. Cody Nagel, who covers Oklahoma State, um, you know, commented, he said, I don't understand this at all. Marshall Scott, who got this, uh, he, you know, he kind of put this out there. I find these comments to be uh, very off-putting. I praised Mike Gundy a number of weeks ago saying Oklahoma State and what he has built is the standard. And look, they might win their bowl game. They might be on their way to eight wins this year. But this team was so different without Spencer Sanders. And he's a really exciting player. He had a great season. And I know there's rumblings about him in the transfer portal. That can't be the case. You know, a a school like Oklahoma State needs to be able to build up some depth at that position. A lot of other schools have that are at their level and even some that are lower. Texas Tech, you know, I wouldn't even say that they're not at Oklahoma State level right now uh, in terms of overall, and they have not built that depth at quarterback that, uh, that you know, that a uh, Texas Tech has. Oklahoma State needs to build that depth at a bunch of different positions. Now, it wouldn't have helped them this year with much the number of injuries that they had, but I find these comments too about like, about player management and talking to players and having guys part of the program, part of the team, et cetera. 
I find these comments very off-putting, and I I really question why Mike Gundy made them. It's not a good look, I don't think. You know, you, the, the head coach should be a part of that conversation, wanting to go and play, playing for a guy. Um, that needs to be a part of the conversation. You should be a part of it. So I, I'm a little off-put by Mike Gundy. And look, like I thought that was a reason why GP had to go because managing players aspect, and this has come across college basketball too, right? Uh, Roy Williams, Coach K, Jay Wright, all of these guys stepping down, times are changing, managing players has become tougher. And certain guys are cut out for that. Certain guys like GP and and I think even Urban Meyer to some extent are not cut out for maybe dealing with players now. Urban Meyer, we don't know, but like dealing with guys, dealing with kids, um, some of these guys are not cut out for it as things change. Mike Gundy's not that old, but you know, this is kind of an old man take, like, uh, they'll meet with their reps or family members or whoever, and I've got nothing to do with it. And times have changed, saying times have changed. It's not a good look. Not a good look. For West Virginia, Neil Brown, um, you know, a lot of questions about his future. It sounds like he might get one more year. Sounds like West Virginia does not want to fork up the cash. And that would be a really kind of weird thing if, the, if that did happen. Five and seven, very close to six and six. Thought some of the games were mismanaged. I mean, if they have the money, make a change. I guess if you don't, you can't make a change, right? So there's that. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at JoshNeighbors underscore. Uh, please subscribe to the channel. Leave a comment, thumbs up, all of those things. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.